welcome to Heart of the Psalmist, cultivating the heart of creatives. Now, your host, Sharvis Witted. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Heart of the Psalmist, the show where we're asking God to create in us clean hearts so that we can create for him. As always, I appreciate you stopping by and joining in the conversation. So today's show is part two of episode 29, A Move of God. What is a move of God? We have a lot of ideas about that among worship leaders and musicians. And last week, my guest, Pastor Rod Lumpkin, a seasoned worship leader, recording artist, all the above, gave some insights. And today we're going to air part two of that. So, of course, if you have not listened to part one, episode 29, go ahead and pause this one. Go back and listen through that episode so you'll be up to speed. So here we are with Pastor Rod Lumpkin again, part two of A Move of God. But this language is a little different this day. It's not just a tongue that communicates directly to God for just our edification, but this falls into this realm called the gift of tongues, mm. with which now everybody is gifted. The Jesus calls Holy Ghost a gift. It's a gift freely given. And he says, when the gift comes, you're going to receive power. So now they're gifted with Holy Spirit with the evidence of the gift, speaking in tongues, all right? And now this unknown language now becomes known because the Bible goes on to say in the second chapter that there's a surrounding around this church service. People in the neighborhood are walking up into the church house and the scripture says devout men from all nations and tribes under heaven. So that means all in existence that was in that place, every Samaria, Judea, Jerusalem, all of them, all these devout nations nations are coming and they're hearing this this language go forth, this power, but it's identifiable to them. It's not strange to them. That's the first thing, the move of God. I got to park there. The move of God is never strange. Mm, Not strange. (laughs) The the move of God, because matter of fact, Jesus actually despises and talks against what we call a strange fire. So his sons have a connection through Holy Spirit to his move. And so when the move of God comes, these people are hearing a language and they begin to have a conversation and they say to themselves, they say, well, isn't it strange that we hear these people speaking in our own tongue? In our language, so they it's an understanding happening in the moment. Now they have an understanding, but here's the question. They said, but aren't all of them Galileans that's in the house? So everybody that was in the church house was of one set of people, but they're gifted and they're empowered to speak and release a flow that impacts everybody that's not like them, that's not culturally like them, that don't look like them, don't talk the same uh, dialect as them. They have power to spread out beyond their own corner of influence. So the first move of God was unity. Okay, so I got to say it again, the first move of God when the church was birthed, the move of God or the move of Holy Spirit, it united the church. It united all of the facets. It didn't say the Galileans got the Holy Ghost and it's on you. And now that's on you, the Sumerians, you don't speak today. Or I should say those in Jerusalem or those from Judea. Y'all know y'all are supposed to sing your choir selection, but I got caught up in my prayer, in intercessory prayer. And so now y'all ain't doing nothing. They know when the spirit fell, it unified everybody in the house. Now everybody as one can begin to receive 
together as one and flow together. And then Peter now preaches the word. Mm. Now Peter preaches a word and the word leads 3000 men to Christ. So when I began to look at that text and I said, wow, so the very first move of Holy Spirit wasn't laying hands, wasn't healing bodies, wasn't raising the dead. Man, it wasn't doing any of those things that the disciples saw for three years while they walked with Jesus. The first move of God was bringing together the body into one mind, one space, one flow. So now, if in a corporate setting, the anointing hits the body of Christ and it does not take us from remnant experiences to now collective or corporate experiences, then we have to begin to question our connection to Holy Spirit or our immaturity to sense what God is trying to unify in the body of Christ. But if Holy Spirit comes in and we begin to dismiss facets of the experience, then it just exposes even the more so our ignorance to the word of God. And so, and I say that in love, I say that in all kindness, you know, but my people perish for the lack of knowledge. Many people just don't know how God moved, you know, matter of fact, I'm going to go this, I'm going to let you come back in here, man, because I get caught up. But when the angels surround the Lord's throne themselves, the Bible says they are turning strong and they cried holy. And then there's a comma in the text. Then they call, cried holy. And there's a comma in the text. And they cried holy, comma, is the Lord God Almighty, which was, and then there's a comma in the text, and is, and there's a comma in the text, and is to come. Now, why do I mention the commas? Well, anytime you have a comma in scripture, that means selah. That means you stop, you pause, you get the revelation that precedes the comma. So you don't run past the comma. So this is what God was doing, literally, in heaven. The Bible says the angels just rest not day or night. So they surround the Lord's throne and worship. So that means they're constantly moving around the throne, 24 hours, 24 seven moving. And as they're moving, he reveals himself as they say, holy, the first holy, he reveals the historical side of him, the God, which was when I look back over my life, think things over, I can truly say that I've been blessed. I got a testimony, right? They begin to think about how he, he brought them from this and brought them from that. Okay. So we have a group of church people in our corporate setting that they're very historical. They live in the past tradition. They hold on to it. They they still celebrating that miracle from 20 years ago and they still want them saying songs from 20 years ago, right? Then they surround his throne again. They cry out, holy. He reveals himself as the God that is, which means the God of existence. That means he's working right now. He's doing stuff for me right now. And that, so that's them songs like he keeps on doing great things for me, right? And you talk about what he's doing right now. But here's where we get stuck. Here's where we get stuck. There's another holy, the third holy that they that they scream out. And the, then God reveals himself as the God that is to come. That means that's the place of expectation. That means I haven't discovered this God yet. I haven't put a rap on him yet. I haven't figured out, man, I haven't even seen him move like that ever in my life. I know I've been in church and say 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, whatever. You know, I know I, I know a whole bunch of Bible and got a bunch of scriptures. Okay. But the point is, is there's still a God that is to come. And the scripture says, if the highest of the highest heavens can't contain him, how yet these earth and vessels, these temples that we have built, Solomon said it in Second Chronicles chapter six. So here's the point. So if there's a place of expectation, expectancy, and we know what he's done in the past, we know what he can do right now, 
but really we're to anticipate something we've never seen. Mm -hmm. Then if we are to anticipate something that we've never seen, then anytime we say this is the move of God, when he moves like this, this is what should be happening. We need to cancel our agenda. He needs to do this. We need to preach it. Don't need to preach. Then you will never see what you expected because you've already determined what the move should be. So the real move of God is just simply being open to surround his throne and him show a different facet of himself because you're simply moving. Now watch this. Oh man, this is good. The Holy Spirit just dropped this in my heart. So they had the angels were moving Mm -hmm. in order to get from history to expectancy. All right. So if we now break that into a corporate service, because again, thy Lord says, when you pray, pray our father, which are in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. So heaven has already patterned what worship should look like on earth. All right. We just simply come into agreement and get an understanding of what's going on up there. All right. What's going on up there? Well, the angels rest not day and night. All right. That means our worship is not predicated on conditions. It's, it should never take rest. All right. It should always be in motion. What else, what else happens? The Lord is constantly revealing himself. Every time the angels surround the throne, they see a different facet of God. So none of us should ever get stuck at one place of revelation. But revelation should be always constantly flowing. And then here's the final thing. What else goes on in heaven? Unity. The angels are unified. There ain't no schisms, no divisions, no fighting, no ranks, no protocol, no diplomacy, none of that kind of stuff up there in heaven. But they're all of one focus and one sound. So these are the things that are supposed to happen in earth. Now we come into our corporate service. So if the angels had to stay moving, getting over the commas, to get from history to expectancy or expectation. But we say the first 25 minutes or 30 minutes in an hour and a half service, when it falls right here, don't do nothing else. Just stop. Church is over. Do the benediction right here. Then what we've done in a corporate setting is we put a comma in the move. So we think he's moving and he is moving, but he could just be moving in our history. Mm. We, we think he's moving, but he could just be moving in our existence, which means, oh, he's good. I know he's good. I know he's good right now, but he can't get us to the place of expectation where we he just can blow our mind and do something different because we've already said, this is how the move is. May are you hear what I'm saying? So the, so the move of God requires a progression throughout the service, throughout the corporate assembly. Everything, everybody should be listening. Everybody should be in tune, but everybody should be saying, listen, pass the baton. And now you come back to scripture. That's when we see from glory to glory to glory. If the glory hits here, then where's the next glory going to hit? Next week? Where's the next glory going to hit? Next month? You know, why can't we go from glory to glory to glory and faith to faith to faith right here in this service, in this hour? Only way we can do that is if people stop trying to figure out the move and just keep moving. Mm. <laughs> so anyway, man, this is your turn. That, look, that, listen, that's it. I just let you go. That's what I told you. <laughs> that was good stuff. And you said a lot. I'll just say to my audience, if you think that was a lot, well, this is what the rewind button is for. You go back, you listen to that over and over again. And he said a lot of good things. The move of God is not strange. In the early church, that pattern is established. Unity is involved. We want to make sure that we are 
uh, not putting God in a box and not allowing our experience to frame how it has to be. And to me, in my mind, the biggest thing that really connected all that is, and it sounds like you had your own journey with this, you stop allowing the experience to frame what a move of God should be. And you went back to what God gave us to frame it, scripture. You know, so yeah. my next question to you is, what do you think the best thing worship leaders and musicians can do to get back to that mindset? I, I think I answered. I think the main thing is we've got to get back to allowing scripture to frame our thinking versus yeah. what we've experienced and what the culture tells us. You, you want to speak to that as well? You think that's yeah. right? Yeah, man, absolutely. You know, the, the, the word which we all believe in, I believe everybody that's tuned into this podcast believes that this principle out of the abundance of the heart mm -hmm. does the mouth speak. All right. So if what's in me, another scripture says, and out of our heart flows the issues of life. Mm -hmm. All right. So now if everything flows out of my heart and that's what speaks, that's what sings, that's what preaches, then I have to have invested something in my heart in order for the flow to come out That's all right, right. Yeah. so now the reason why we can have a lot of musical experiences and not a lot of ministry release we can have a lot of productive produced performed experiences but not really have a breaking through or a change of lives is because it has everything to do with not that the person doesn't go to church, didn't grow up in church and they didn't practice and they didn't learn and they didn't prepare. It might have everything to do with those other six days of the week. What was invested in the heart mm -hmm. is now what's coming out. And because the word was not invested, then there's a malnourished moment because prayer was not invested, then that's now a moment that's not impactful. It's a good moment, but good doesn't make it anointed. Good notes, but wrong anointings. I told a musician I talked to a few weeks ago, I told him, you know, I said, man, you need to to come and sit with us, looking to come on board at my church. And I required him to come sit with us, man, and just sit in the, in the atmosphere. Just be there. And we begin. And he said, really? He said, you know, uh, you want me, you know, but I'm not playing. I said, nope, not a payday, not a play day. I just want you to come. I want you to be in this atmosphere. I need you to hear this sound. So forth, because I've heard him play before. He's a good guy. He grew up in church. I believe he loves the Lord. But I can tell by his approach musically that most of his listening and most of the things that he allows to go into his spirit is of a secular sense because it translates into the corporate moment of worship. So I said, so what do you, what's your playlist? It's real practical. What we put in our bodies is what we're going to become. Mm, right. You know, you, you want to uh, have energy. You can't have energy and, you know, just eat fried pork chops, you know, all the <laughs> time. Right. And so that same principle applies in worship and, and spiritually. You can be as gifted, sing the right notes, hit the pitch, have perfect tone, perfect pitch, all of those kind of things. But you're wondering why. Watch this. People are shouting, but it's still a lot of issues going on in the church. because. We all can create an emotionalism experience, but not, e not everybody can sing demons away. 
Mm-hmm. You know, not everybody can change that experience. So in, in essence, what you're saying to the worship leader to, to kind of answer the question, we absolutely the words got to be the first thing of our lives. It's the only thing that gives us light. It's the lamp to our pathway. It leads us into all truth and understanding. And Jesus is the bread of life. And so the more word we have, the more communion and fellowship we have with Christ himself. So what happens is the more fellowship we have with Christ. And when we sing, they'll see him and not us. When we speak, they'll hear him and not us. Because now, like Paul said, we now have decreased. Right. And the Lord has increased. But that increase is not in the moment that increases in life. It's in preparation. It's in, you know, spending time. And I'm afraid that we've gotten as a church and a culture so conditioned to just doing enough to get through two hours. Yeah. Yeah. While people still got to live the rest of the hours of the week. And we're the leaders. And watch this. Paul says, follow me. As I follow Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, let's break that down in context. Paul didn't say, follow with me. He didn't say, let's go together. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Be followers of Christ just as I am. So what Paul was saying is, there's a grace on my life as apostle, as a leader, as a father. The grace on my life that if you follow it and trust me, I won't lead you short of Christ, mm. man. And so, so real leadership is supposed to be an influential grace that as people hear us and follow the instructions, lift your hands, raise your voice, come on and release a sound. Let's go hear this. As people submit to the grace and they begin to follow the grace, we're saying by way of position with the mic, position on the pulpit, that the grace on my life, if you follow it, I guarantee you, you're going to make it to Christ. So now, if I'm the leader who has now been appointed with this mandate to lead people to the Christ, but I'm not spending time with them. I ain't got no word. I don't know them. Then watch this. We still got the mic. That's right. Still got it. They're, they're still following us. So how many people are we responsible for that have missed the Christ because the person leading them don't know them? Mm-hmm. Person that's person that's leading them ain't been in communion with them, ain't talked to them. They prayed two minutes in the praise team worship preparation room before they went inside. Lord, use us today, man, in Jesus' name. And then that's it. And that's the level, that's the depth. But you're the one with the microphone who they're still looking to, and they're looking to follow you because you have said by way of positioning that you could follow me and get to Christ. And that only comes by way of the word. Growth only comes by nobody grows. Oh, man, this is so good. Okay, I know I said a whole bunch of spiritual stuff, but name me one natural baby that ever lives to see adulthood who hasn't eaten. Not one. Yeah. Yeah. Not one. Hasn't grown in height, stature, grown in anything. Eventually, matter of fact. If they don't eat, they become bulimic or they become malnourished. And before you know it, they're dead. And -hmm. watch this. And if a parent is caught not feeding their child, then somebody will call defects. Defects will show up and eventually take the child and arrest the parent for child abuse. 
man. Mm-hmm. So now let's come on back to the spirit. The pastor has appointed and trusted you as the worship leader to lead the people. He has put you in place. And because there's no feeding, there's no word in you because out of your belly or out of your heart is what you're speaking and there's nothing there. So you're speaking nothing in the atmosphere. So nobody has nothing to grab onto. So now they're dying and all of that will eventually God's going to come in and he's going to have to address that church. He's going to have to switch stuff up. You know, he's going to have to move some people out of place, do some things. Why? Because the church has been stuck. Church stuck at a comma. Church is hungry. Church. And so that's that's what happens in the experience, man. So the word is everything, man. I was a lover of the word before I became a pastor. Every song, the songs I picked, man, had to match the words, just songs I don't even sing. Jesus is the greatest man I know. I didn't sing that song because the Bible says God is not a man that he shall lie, you know. But because I was in the word, I didn't mm-hmm. sing those type of songs. I didn't sing songs like Chasing After You. I know it's popular. I know it's big. I know the people who wrote it. I'm good friends with them. They're my brothers and my sisters. But the reality is the reason I didn't sing that song is because the Lord says, I bid you come. He says, come unto me all year labor. He says, who shall ascend to the hills of the Lord? So everywhere in scripture, we never see God running from us. He's always telling us to come. Mm, mm. And so because he's telling us to come, then what are you chasing? Matter of fact, you can't chase him because the Bible says you've been seated. We've been seated in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. That's right. You can't even get any closer to God than you are because you're seated in him. So this whole life is not about chasing God. It's about becoming more aware of who we are in God. Wow. You know, And that awareness comes through revelation, man. So if we don't know the word, we'll hear the song on the radio and it's what's popular. We'll minister it. But the manifestation in the atmosphere won't happen because God can only meet us where our faith comes into agreement with his word. And if it ain't his word, we can have all the faith that we want, but he can't come into agreement with anything Uh. that's not. And so, man, that's just so, brother. Yes, we got to get in the word. We got to have our minds, our spirit, the whole being has got to be ready. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I know we're coming down on time. I had to pull out two things you said. The first thing, and it's something that I think is a part of the process of making this better. And you know, as well as I know, again, you've been in this longer than me, but I'm 30 years plus myself. So, (laughs) so often what happens is you mentioned this young musician who wanted to come on with you, but you didn't thrust him right on the stage because of his ability. You didn't deny the talent, but you said, no, let's step back, sit in this atmosphere. And I think you were communicating to him your talent is great, but that's not all that matters. That's not the primary thing. And I think that's a step that sometimes we miss. While you're talented, you're gifted. Come on, play for me next week. How much do you want to get paid? And so I think that's something that has to change uh, from the leaders. Like you said, the ones who have been given the microphone, who are trying to tell people whether they realize it or not, follow me as I follow Christ. I think we have to challenge and put that before our creatives. Hey, I like your talent. I like your skill. But you know what? The word of God is more important than that. And you put that mandate on them and you tell them that this is more important than the paycheck. And then I think the more we do that, the pastors, they begin to turn the tide. We put first things first. So that's the first thing I want to point out. And on the second thing that you did, you mentioned the songs. Now, I'm just going to leave this here. I love this because when you get anchored in scripture, now what's scriptural, not what's popular, determines what get on your set list. Those are wonderful things. And I guess I have to have you back on again another time in the future so we can just do a show 
on those two <laughs> topics. But, but uh, Pastor Lumpkin, I just appreciate your time. I'm going to let you go here. But before I do, could you tell my audience, they want to find out more about you, something that you said is registered with them and they want to follow you, learn some more from you. Where could they go? Man, they can go to, uh, you can go to my Facebook handle or my Instagram, which is Rod Lumpkin, R-O-D Lumpkin, just like pumpkin, L-U-M-P-K-I-N. Of course, I'm on all social media outlets. Of course, my church as well, which is D-I-W-C Atlanta, Instagram, as well as Facebook Live, and then also our website. Uh, we have our website, which is DIWCAtlanta.org. So, man, they can do that and they can chime in any Sunday. Our worship services are 945 to 1130 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we're live on Facebook. We're live on Instagram and we're live on YouTube. So, uh, yeah, man, I would love to connect. And I do have a book out there. It's been out since 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I tell you, it's still selling. And it's an ebook form format if people want to reach out directly to me. But of course, they can also go to Amazon. And I believe it's on Barnes Noble and Kindle as well. And so it's called Understanding Our Creative Purpose. Mm-hmm. Understanding Our Creative Purpose. And so uh, that book will bless them as well. So, man, thank you, Charvis, for having me, brother. I'm glad we made it, man. Uh, we finally got this thing going and we're going to do it more. Yes, sir. But thank you for your time and uh, God bless you. We're the better for it today. Thank you. Bless you, brother.